Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to yet another edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm your host, Kerry Martin, and I'm glad to be a part of the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we are all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. The Natural Resources Conservation Service has set deadlines for Texas farmers and ranchers to apply for the EQIP program. I'm Jessica Dommel, and I'll have that story coming up. Neighbor, have you ever thought about using a cover crop for your dryland, milo, or cotton? Neighbor, I'm Larry Marble. I'll visit with a Rungi area farmer that says he's using them and is very pleased. We'll have that story from the northern portion of the coastal bend. It's time to start the process of winterizing landscaping equipment and more. I'm Tom Nicoletti and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories, plus the latest news from Washington, Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. But first, here's Jessica Domo with a look at news headlines. The Natural Resources Conservation Service has set the first funding application deadlines for the Environmental Quality Incentives Program, or EQIP. The first deadline is now December 4th. The second is February 12th. Applications for EQIP are accepted year-round. The deadlines are used to rank and fund eligible conservation projects. EQIP is a voluntary program that provides financial and technical assistance to farmers and ranchers. You can submit an application at your local USDA service center. Current USDA clients can submit theirs on farmers.gov. Additional details about EQIP are available on the USDA NRCS Texas website. Again, that first deadline is December 4th. More than 8.5 million acres across the United States have been burned by wildfires this year. USDA meteorologist Brad Rippey says about half of that is in California. The national record of acreage burned by wildfires is 10 million. More than 30% of Texas is suffering from moderate or worse drought, mostly on the western half of the state. But the National Weather Service predicts that by the end of January, the majority of Texas will be suffering from drought. Texans are encouraged to use caution in dry areas with anything that can create a spark. If you plan on welding or cutting outdoors, have a spotter nearby with a water source ready to put out any sparks. Don't drive or park in tall grass and be mindful of embers when grilling outdoors. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Department is now accepting applications for the Community Outdoor Outreach Program, or co-op. Co-op grants support community-based conservation and outdoor recreation activities like archery, fishing, camping, hiking, hunting, nature education, and more. Grant awards range from $5,000 to $30,000 for eligible activities that take place between March 1st and September 1st. The funds may be used to support personnel, training, travel, food, park entry fees, and program supplies. The deadline to apply is 5 p.m. on November 6th. A link to the grant application is available on the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department website. Click the link at the bottom of the page that says Grants. 
For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dolmel. Have you ever considered using cover crops? Larry Marble visits with a Texas farmer who's using them and seeing good success. We're with Zach Yonta. Zach, talk to us about the cover crop blend you use on your dryland milo or corn. We'd like to go ahead and put in a multi-species again. It's very important if you have a, a more diverse mix, it's just better for soil health. And of course, that's one of the main reasons for using cover crops is to boost soil health. We like to go in with uh, several species of uh, grasses and a, a couple of legumes in that crop, in the cropland. We like to plant with a, a no-till drill, an air drill, and then we'll go in in the spring and, and put in usually grain sorghum or corn in that cover crop mix. Do you ever have to do a a burn down or do you just let nature take its course? We've done both, Larry. Just depends on on the on the amount of cover that's there on the cover crop and also the moisture situation, especially I think in our area. You know, I'd like to be able to just plant right into it without terminating it chemically, but sometimes, uh, you know, we have to be always ready to, to change and plans may change from one week to the next, just depending on what Mother Nature dictates. And Zach, my own experience tells me that landlords are reluctant for us to use cover crops because they want their farm to look clean. It's unfortunate that we've been conditioned mentally over the years that uh, the only good farmer is one that has a very clean field. Well, then you invite, unfortunately, erosion, wind erosion, water erosion, and it's uh, detrimental really to the to the biology in the soil. And without that biology, uh, becomes pretty stale. We've seen a dramatic increase in our rainfall in- infiltration rates just on some of the land that we've had in, in no-till and covers for eight or nine years. Uh, we've got fields right there at uh, my home place that can take a little over seven and a half inches per hour of infiltration, which is it's pretty remarkable. One farmer's successful experience with cover crops. I'm Larry Marble reporting from Rungi. Cold weather is moving into Texas, so it's time to start winterizing landscape equipment. Tom Nicoletti talks with a San Angelo horticulturalist about preparing for those cold temperatures. My guest today is horticulturist John Begno from San Angelo. Thanks, John, for being with us on the program as we talk about a number of things people should be thinking about or doing right now in the middle of autumn. Let's first discuss winterizing landscape equipment used in the yard. Well, it's good to be here, Tom, and and winterizing equipment is important because some of this stuff is very valuable, riding mowers and anything that has a motor. And things have changed over history. We used to drain all of the fluid out, the gasoline out, and let it set all winter so it didn't gum up and cause varnish in the carburetors and so forth. Well, now they've invented stabilizers that you can add to your fuel that keep those those all those valves and keep all of the the washers they keep everything just in good top shape one of the products is called stable and you add it to your fuel and you pour it in there and you crank your engines and you run it for a little while and this is a good way to keep them from being hard to start in the spring and don't forget the simple things sharpen the blades get them all ready to go in spring so that you're not fighting the crowds when it's time to begin mowing and taking care of your gardens, plus everything works good. What about storage of uh, fertilizers and and other chemicals uh, that uh, folks uh, utilize around their lawn? You know, one of the things is is that we like to purchase what we're going to use in one season. But if you have to, because you've purchased more than you need, chemicals should be stored away from areas that are going to be freezing because they can be denatured or they can become weakened by freezing temperatures. And another little trick sideline, if you have a water well, don't put them in the well house. 
because if you do have issues with a leakage and it gets into your water, you, you have a bigger issue. So keep them away from water sources. Now, fertilizers should be sealed up in airtight bags or containers so that they don't get exposed to moisture, become hard, or nitrogen can be very volatile. So remember that. And by the way, as you get to the end of the season, you're going to see a lot of sales for things like rakes and shovels. And if you need that type of equipment, it's a great opportunity to come in there and buy that sort of stuff, even though you might not use it. You may go ahead and store it and use it for next spring if you need it. So go online, look at those shopping venues and your local markets, because this year with COVID, things were a little bit different. Inventories can be overbought or underbought, and you may get some great ideas for some some good equipment that you might need. Yeah, so sales out there uh, will attract people, and uh, they can uh, stock up on whatever equipment they'll need for uh, the next season. And that's a great idea because we're coming up on pruning season. And if you don't have proper shears or good shears or good loppers, or good saws, or finally your trees are big enough to need a pole saw, and now is a great time to buy it. Well, why not add that to your to your inventory and your stock because you're going to use it in the next few weeks. That is San Angelo horticulturist John Begno. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The American Farm Bureau Federation encourages rural residents to participate in the National Prescription Drug Take Back Day this Saturday. Michael Clements reports from Washington. By participating in the National Prescription Drug Take Back Day this Saturday, the American Farm Bureau Federation says you can make an impact on opioid addiction in rural America. Minnesota Farm Bureau Foundation Director Ruth Lincoln Meyer Merrick says many opioid addictions start at home in the medicine cabinet. Three out of four farmers say it's easy to access unused prescription medicines within their homes. And what that's telling us that there's lots of unused prescriptions in our medicine cabinets at home, and we need to dispose of them and dispose of them safely so that easy access to those medicines aren't there for our farmers and ranchers. Farm Bureau and National Farmers Union created Farm Town Strong, a coalition to bring attention to the opioid epidemic in farm country and to provide information and resources to help those struggling with opioid abuse. Merrick says the initiative found 74% of farmers and ranchers have been directly impacted by the opioid epidemic. We owe it to our farm families and our rural communities to keep each other safe. And if we can take unused prescriptions out of our medicine cabinets and dispose of them in a safe manner by utilizing national take back day, we can actually make an impact and we can make a difference in our rural communities. She says there are many ways to dispose of unused prescriptions. You can find a take back location in your area by just Googling National Take Back Day. The other thing that you can also do is you can safely dispose of your prescription meds any time of the year by dropping them off at a local pharmacy or stopping at your local sheriff's station. There's also some in-home kits that you can use, but regardless of how you dispose of unused prescription meds. If we can eliminate that temptation, we can help make an impact. Michael Clements, Washington. Are deer raised by breeders considered private property? I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll have that answer on Texas Ag today. And if you have a young, large breed dog and are considering when to neuter or spay, a recent study could affect your decision. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next right here on Texas Ag Today. In Texas, there's pea-sized hail and baseball-sized hail. 
Guess which one hit our house? We didn't even know where to begin, but we called our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent, and he was so reassuring. He knew exactly what to do to get our house back into shape and our lives back to normal. Now, we're even more thankful for the roof over our heads. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to insure your home for Texas-size weather. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. If you have a young large breed dog and are considering when to spay or neuter them, there's a recent study out that could affect your decision. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd takes a closer look. A recent study out of the University of California at Davis indicates that mixed breed dogs weighing more than 44 pounds were more likely to develop joint disorders if neutered or spayed before the age of one year. The data was collected over 15 years on thousands of dogs, so this was a very long study examining lots of animals, which increases the significance of the study. Researchers examined common joint disorders, including hip dysplasia, elbow dysplasia, and cranial cruciate ligament tears. Most of Europe and North America recommends neutering or spaying dogs around six months of age especially the females, so you can get the surgery performed before they have their first heat cycle. However, this study makes us rethink this recommendation. Also, many dogs at shelters are spayed and neutered very early in life at four months or less because the shelters are required to spay and neuter prior to adoption. And this includes all sizes of dogs, so although this is probably not ideal medically, it is a requirement of most releasing agencies in Texas. In some cases, these animals are spayed and neutered so young that you cannot determine their adult size. This study is on mixed breed dogs, and another study came to the same conclusion using golden retrievers and laboratory retrievers. So it is probably a good idea to not neuter or spay any large breed dog before one year of age. The reason many vets have recommended early spaying of females is to prevent mammary cancer. So in females, this has to be taken into consideration when making this decision. I'm Dr. Bob Judd, and this is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Are deer raised by breeders considered private property here in Texas? Jessica Domel answers that question in today's Wildlife Report. The Texas Supreme Court has rejected an appeal by a deer breeder challenging the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department's chronic wasting disease rules in seeking to have breeder deer deemed private property. Joseph Fitzsimmons of Ol Fitzsimmons in San Antonio has served as vice president of the Texas Wildlife Association and is a director of the Texas and Southwestern Cattle Raisers Association. He filed an amicus curiae on behalf of the Wildlife Association, TSCRA, and other wildlife groups supporting T. PWD and its staff. He explains what the Supreme Court's action means. It simply reaffirmed the law as it has always been, as stated in the Texas Constitution and in the Parks and Wildlife Code. Uh, Native wildlife are the property of the state and the people. It's a public trust. It's consistent with the North American wildlife conservation model that's been the model of wildlife conservation in North America for over 100 years. It's nothing new. It just simply corrected the notion that some deer breeders, not all, certain deer breeders had that they presumed that they had a private property interest in those breeder deer, and it is clear that they do not. They possess them by permit. 
That was Joseph Fitzsimmons of Old Fitzsimmons in San Antonio. The action by the Texas Supreme Court also confirms that TPWD's chronic wasting disease rules are valid. It upholds an award of more than $426,000 in attorney's fees for the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. Well, the bear market continues in the cattle market this week. It has been an ugly week. We'll take a look at yet another lower close for both live and feeder cattle futures. But the cotton market, just the opposite. It just seems to constantly find excuses to move higher. We'll check all of the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next on Texas Ag Today. back looking at another lopsided matchup jim today we have a combine taking on a train yeah that heavy train is about a thousand times heavier than the combine no competition there right especially given that it'll take at least a mile to stop that train that's 18 football fields it's no contest every day people are injured or killed trying to beat a train at rail crossings see tracks think train this message brought to you by operation lifesaver We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. It has definitely been a rough week in the cattle futures market. We kicked it off on Monday with those massive moves to the downside, and we have added to it as we move through most of the week. We wrapped up on Thursday with live and feeder cattle, both ending lower. October live cattle down 32 cents, 103.32. December down a dollar 10, 103.47. February live cattle down a dollar 30, 106.77. In the feeder market, October feeder cattle down 57, 133.82. November down 72, 130.42. January feeder cattle down 87, 126.20. Looking at the cash fed cattle market, it's been kind of a weird week. We saw some early sales, actually Monday sales this week, which we typically do not see. So a lot of fed cattle moving earlier in the week. Most of those cattle selling for 106 here in Texas. That's $2 lower than last week. Up north, we saw some dress sales, 163 to 165. That's 3 to $4 lower. The strange thing is that as we get toward the end of the week, all is quiet. Not even a bid reported from the Packers. So who knows? They may have all they need for the week and may be just sitting and waiting on these prices to drop. Boxed beef prices higher. Choice up a dollar five, two oh nine fifty two. Select up a dollar three, one ninety one ninety four. Let's check a couple of feeder cattle auctions now. Caldwell Livestock Commission in Caldwell, Texas, selling this week. The trend steady to higher. Two to three weight steers brought a dollar forty to a dollar fifty seven. Three to four weights a dollar thirty five to a dollar seventy five. Four to five hundred pounders a dollar twenty five to a dollar sixty. Five to six weight steers a dollar ten to a dollar thirty six. Six to seven weights a dollar six to a dollar twenty. With seven to eight weight steers bringing a dollar to a dollar five a pound. Slaughter cows, 30 to 63 cents. Slaughter bulls, 60 to 81. Stocker cows, 500 to 12.25 a head. 
Four County Auction Center in Industry, Texas, selling 1,346 head this week. The trend steady to higher. Two to three weight steers, a dollar ten to a dollar ninety-five. Three to four hundred pounders, a dollar to a dollar sixty-five. Four to five weight steers, ninety to a dollar fifty a pound. Five to six weights, ninety cents to a dollar thirty-eight. With the six to seven weight steers bringing eighty-five cents to a dollar twenty a pound. Slaughter cows, eighteen to fifty-six cents. Slaughter bulls, sixty to seventy-eight. Stocker cows, three fifty to ten twenty-five a head. Cow calf pairs, seven hundred to nine seventy-five a pair. Back over to the futures market, a big drop in lean hogs. December, lean hogs down three dollars, the limit at sixty-six twenty. February hogs down a dollar sixty, sixty-six eighty-five. Class three milk higher. October up fifteen cents, twenty-one sixty-three. November milk up fifty-nine, twenty-one fifty a hundredweight. It just seems there's no stopping the cotton market. USDA releasing their weekly export sales report Thursday morning. It was a good one. The sales number, 220,000 bales. You compare that to last week where we had only 98,000 bales sold. That report helped December cotton to move to its highest close since January 22nd of this year. We finished with December cotton up 90 points, 71.94. The March up 78, closing at 72.51. The wheat market pulled back a bit and closed lower. We still have those bullish factors supporting the market of dry weather all over the globe and wheat growing areas, especially over in Russia and here in the western U.S., but the market but the market took a breather and pulled back. December Kansas City wheat down 9.5, 5.60 and a quarter. New crop July wheat down 8.5, closing at 5.77 and three quarters. Corn was higher. December corn up 2.5, 4.16 and a quarter. In the energy markets, November natural gas down 3 cents at 2.99. December crude oil up 59, 40, 62 a barrel. The financial markets higher, the Dow Jones Industrial Average up 152 points, 28,363. The NASDAQ up 21, 11,506. The S&P 500 up 17 at 3,453. Well, that wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this episode of Texas Ag Today. Be sure to catch us tomorrow. We'll be right here to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Kerry Martin, and this is Texas Ag Today. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.